Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. I've probably seen Trey Young play before you've seen him play. So, I've seen Trey Young play ball since he's in, in eighth grade. You know, he's been a part of my uh, my camp the last few years before he went off to Oklahoma. So I know what he's all about and what he's doing right now is very special. He's a very special player. Um, can add a lot to any team, um, you know, if he decides to come out and come into the draft. Bet if Brown weren't busy himself tonight, he'd be tuned in to ESPN at 7 Eastern to see Trey Young coming off a Big 12 record 48 take on Kansas. In the meantime, the six is here to keep you company until then. Now on Sports Center at 6, all access into Trey Young's path to Oklahoma. Plus, more dysfunction in Cleveland has the Cavs pointing fingers. How hot is Ty Lue's seat? And Tiger Woods is back in the course. Live from Torrey Pines, why Tiger's looking better than ever. I feel like a target. Most people were a target. Here's Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. All right, consider this the first of several reminders at the top of the hour. Trey Young faces fifth-ranked Kansas. First time Trey Young is facing Kansas. And you know it's a big game. Who else do we go to but our big game, big-time reporter Holly Rowe making her debut on the 6th, live there in Norman, Oklahoma, ahead of tonight's showdown. As I mentioned, first time Trey Young faces Kansas. So give us the feel. What's the buzz around town like? Well, there is so much buzz right now in Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma has had big stars before, and they've even had some big stars from Oklahoma in Wayman Tisdale and Blake Griffin. Buddy Hield was the player of the year two years ago, but they've never had a big star from right here in Norman. Trey Young played at Norman North High School, and fans are flocking to see him here. Every home game is sold out, but one, about 700 tickets left for the whole season. People are dying to see this kid in action. All right, thanks for dropping that. We actually have some more about his Norman High roots later in the show, Uh, but for now, Oklahoma, they're coming off back-to-back losses to Kansas State and Oklahoma State, so Holly, how have those losses sort of affected the Sooners' mojo? Well, you know, it's interesting. Trey Young is big on social media, and he actually had his first sad tweet this week when he said, you know, you finally know when it's dark who's actually with you. Is He started to get some criticism, and I look at his stats, and I'm like, this is an 18-year-old averaging 30 points a game. What are we possibly criticizing? But the fact is, he does need to take better care of the ball. Turnovers have cropped up in the last couple of games. He needs to do a little bit better job of finding and trusting his teammates. But everybody that we talked to said the team morale is still good, and Trey is still very confident. But KU recruited him. We'll see if he comes up big against KU wants to show out. All right. Thanks a lot, Holly. Can't wait to see this game, much like a lot of other people. All right. So the player that Trey Young always is compared to is Steph Curry. Not 2018 Steph, mind you, but Davidson Steph Curry. And how do the two compare as freshmen? Well, Young is an inch shorter and five pounds lighter than Curry was at Davidson. But he's on pace to make more threes this season than Steph did in 06-07 when Curry finished tied for a third in Division One and made three-pointers. You got a little game. I'm all right. All right. You you were nice in college. I wasn't like that. I wasn't that nice dropping 48 on a bad game. I'm telling you. Um, now, look, uh, Trey Young's game, when you look at where it is now compared to where Steph's was then, as we mm-hmm. showed the illustration 
Is he more advanced than where Steph was at the same age or less? Uh, give us a feel for how these two compare. I, I think he is a little bit more advanced than what Steph is, but I think it's a byproduct of how he's trained. He's trained with trainers from the time he's been around 13, 14 years old. That most definitely helps. Uh, but the thing is, you know, Steph was Steph didn't get this kind of attention. Steph didn't have this kind of weight on his shoulders when he was playing for Davidson. It wasn't until he made that miraculous run in NCAA tournament until we knew who Steph was. It's easier to deal with these expectations when you're grown and you're older instead of it being Trey Young at 18 years old right now. Yeah, he's also been studying Steph. Exactly. As a product of the Steph generation, if you will, and the way he's changed the like game. Like when you roll in the streets, you don't see kids do and one mixtapes anymore. You see them shooting shots from half court. What exactly. is that? Right. Exactly. Now, if, uh, as LeBron alluded to off the top, uh, if Trey Young were to declare for the draft, he'd likely go in the top ten, probably yep. a safe assumption. Which team makes the most sense based on his style of play and its current style of play? I would love to go out west. I would love to go to Phoenix. You Phoenix. think about that backcourt okay. between him and Devin Booker. You Whew. think about... What Ryan McDonough has done as a GM over there, pretty much saying, hey, look, we're going in the direction of Devin Booker. He gets insight from Booker on some of the guys they played together. I think these two have played together. They have built a friendship over the course of the years. And Booker's going to have a major voice in the likes of the new coach, which they have an interim new coach right now, Jay Triano, free agency and the draft. You think about him with Devin Booker, and you think about Josh Jackson, who brings off that defensive prowl off the bench right now, who inevitably will be a starter with T.J. Booker. That's kind of a squad. Booker and Trey Young, almost as good of a combination as you and Seth Greenberg. Bring your boy, come back later on. Okay, all right? we'll be around. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, most definitely. All right. Now, just as a deal for Boom Hilda didn't mean squat till Dr. Schultz took Calvin Candy's hand. Nice reference. Ty Lue says an emotional <laughs> team meeting means nothing without wins. Cavs take the court tonight in San Antonio for the first time since getting hit for a buck 48 Saturday against the Thunder. Cleveland, 3 and 9 since Christmas. Outscore by 10 per game this month. Ron, any, any comment on the uh, about the meeting that y'all had? Ron, did you need to hear from Kevin about why you were practicing all day? I don't want to talk about it. Okay, clearing the air like supposedly. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Thanks, everybody. I don't want to talk about it. You know, that's something that we're going to keep, or we try to keep in house. I felt like we should keep it. Uh, on the quarter in the locker room, um, you know, obviously didn't stay there, but just had a meeting. We aired any grievances we had, and you know we're going to move forward. Hopefully, we'll be better for it. When you see headlines like dysfunctional calves. Does that kind of bother you? I mean, no, I'm numb to it at this point. Uh, I've seen it before. So, uh, you know, dysfunction. We've been to three straight finals. So, um, you know, we've been able to thrive under. A certain amount of chaos at some points, but a uh, good thing about us is we've got better throughout the course of, of seasons, and we've we've peaked at the right time. So, um, you know, we're hoping that it's it's not any different. We hope that we can all come together and and, and be better. So, we'll see. All right, Dave McMenamin's here to talk about it. Who should bear the most blame for the Cavs' struggles? Michael, anytime there's a problem, I think you learn more from analyzing it by trying to figure out what the cause or the root was rather than just looking at the symptoms of it. And so when you analyze the Cavs situation like that, you have to look no further than Cavs owner Dan Gilbert. Shortly after the Cavs lost to the Warriors in the NBA Finals, he parted ways with general manager David Griffin, and that put this franchise into a whirlwind in the offseason. Kyrie Irving's camp has since said that, hey, we wanted an exit meeting in order to share our concerns with where Kyrie's relationship was with the team. 
shortly after the season. They didn't have one because they didn't have a GM in place because he didn't have a contract. And everything has only spilled out further since then. So uh, I think you're going to blame one person. Dan Gilbert would be the guy. Dan Gilbert, though, doesn't play basketball. He doesn't suit up, and he does not. Uh, he's not responsible for the effort that the Cavs players are showing. So certainly they shoulder some of the blame for what we're seeing on the court right now. So in short, a fish rots from the head. Uh, meanwhile, clever congratulatory IG post to his younger self by LeBron. Uh, what does this milestone being on the brink of 30,000 points mean to him? Well, certainly. I mean, this is one of the ones where you, you pause, you pinch yourself, you stop. Much like when LeBron passed Michael Jordan in all-time playoff scoring in the Eastern Conference Finals against Boston last year. That was one of the few times that he actually relished in an accomplishment in the moment. This is another one of them. Only seven names to do it. Kareem, Michael, Carl Malone, Wilt Chamberlain, Dirk Nowitzki, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James. Pretty special category. And as someone in LeBron's camp once described to me, LeBron's the best Band-Aid. He covers up the real wounds that are underneath. Perhaps if the Cavs get a win tonight, LeBron sets this milestone. We're talking about LeBron's majesty again and not talking about the trouble that the Cavs are in. Always good to talk to you, Dave McMenamin, Cavs insider and part-time animal rescuer. Props to you, my friend. LeBron James, seven points, in case you can't read, seven points shy of becoming the seventh and youngest member of the 30,000-point club. Needless to say, he'd like to do it in a win tonight. Yeah, I'm sure with all San the drama Antonio. going on with the Cavs. More probably... people should congratulate their younger selves. Hmm. I hadn't seen that before. I don't know what I would say to my younger self. <laughs> a Trey Young is pretty young as well, also leading Division One, averaging 30 and 9. Uh, by the way, no player has ever finished a season at leading Division One in both points per game and assists per game. Uh, since assist became an official stat in 83-84. I'll probably say that again, so act just as impressed the next time I say it. Uh, we're shortly away from that contest. Can't wait. Um, in other news, Tiger Woods was out there at Toy Pines early this morning getting a nine-hole practice round in preparation for the Farmers Insurance Open. Woods' first official start on the PGA Tour since missing the cut at last year's Farmers event. Woods ranked 657th in the world right now, is making just his 21st worldwide start since the first of his four back surgeries in March of 2014. Mouth is already getting all watered up for that Tiger Woods comeback here to make some sense of it. Michael Leaves. Leaves! <laughs> Live in San Diego. What up, though? See, just can't take him nowhere. You know, like, he's still mad from he yesterday. He's still mad. Interview. Like, he all up in our it's interview. My dog. <laughs> you know, but you were there nevertheless on, to witness Tiger's practice around. Real talk, Mike. Did yeah. he look different? He did, Jamel, uh, a couple reasons. One, there was no signs of pain whatsoever. And granted, we saw that in the Bahamas, so that was to be expected. But the freeness, if you will, I'm making up words here, that he walked up and down the fairway but also swung the golf club, which is the best indicator of how fit that back is. He was out there physically doing everything you would think an elite golfer would do. And he could not say that last year. Last year we saw him play here at Torrey Pines, and at times looked like he was probably, probably trying to protect that back. Today, freewheeling it, he played with Jason Day and Bryson DeChambeau. He put the ball out in the fairway just as long as those guys did, sometimes a couple of yards longer. So physically, he looks really good. All right, freeness is the word. I'll allow it. Um, Tiger, he also talked a lot after his round about building his endurance. Did anything else stand out to you about his post-practice round comments? 
no. Actually, that comment alone, Jamel, was the most insightful because what that says is physically he knows he's capable of putting more practice on his body to sharpen his game. Prior to this year, he couldn't do that as much. He couldn't practice as much as he was accustomed to, so it affected his play. When he says that he's ready to work on his muscle endurance and pound more balls, that means physically he knows he can go at it again and try to get back to that level where he did win five times the last full season he was healthy on the PGA Tour. Granted, that was five years ago. All right. Thanks, Mike, for your report. I say we make some TV magic tomorrow. Mike will be hollering at you literally. All right, two-time AL MVP, but more important in this context, hardcore Eagles superfan Mike Trout has Philly winning 31-24, so no surprise the New Jersey native is going with the home team. If he's a superstitious type, the fact that the Patriots have chosen to wear their road white jerseys may worry him a bit. For what it's worth, answer nothing. I'm just sharing it anyway. The Patriots have won each of their last three titles while wearing white jerseys, including Super Bowl 39 over Trout's Eagles. Also, 12 of the past 13 Super Bowl winners wore white. Every year is not the same, but in this particular case, you know, today is very much of a of a major working day, and I would say kind of a catch-up day for us because we just don't know very much about Philadelphia. The coaches haven't really been focused on on this game. We were focused on Jacksonville, and so now we turn our attention here to, to Philadelphia. And there's there's a lot of work to do. They're obviously a great team, and, and that's why they're playing in this game. So our attention's on them, but it's, there's a lot of work to do. All right, of much more importance, obviously, than the color of New England's uniform is whether <laughs> Rob Gronkowski will, in fact, be in uniform for this Super Bowl. Adam Schefter, still no official confirmation as to what was the significance or the, or the type of head injury that Rob Gronkowski suffered on Sunday. So what's the latest with his status? Well, Michael, we'll leave it for everybody else to deduce, but if you're taken to the locker room with a head injury and you don't come back into the game because of a head injury, it's fair to let the imagination run wild and assume or think that you were in concussion protocol at that point in time. Now, on Wednesday, the Patriots have to issue their first injury report of Super Bowl week, in which point they'll have to identify the exact nature of Rob Gronkowski's injury. The fact of the matter is if we go back and look at his injury history in New England, he's appeared on the injury report 49 different times. He's never been listed with a concussion before, but back in 2013 when T.J. Ward hit him and ended the season with a knee injury, he may have suffered a concussion on that play. Again, I think the feeling is with the extra week that it should not be an issue that he'll have to go through protocol over the course of the next 10 or so days. But I think people are optimistic that he will be able to play Super Bowl 52 against the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, Adam Schefter with the latest. We appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. All right, there's Trey Young out here putting up Kylie Watson numbers. I think whenever I watch him, I'm thinking I'm watching Will at Bel Air Academy. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, Average is 39, both of which leads Division one, and now he's coming off a Big 12 record time, 48 points on Saturday, uh, going against a hell of an opponent in Kansas, which has two fewer conference losses than everyone else in its quest to win its 14th consecutive Big 12 title. But since Oklahoma is coming off two straight losses, Trey Young is thinking, hey, maybe I need to change it up. Here's what he said. I'm going to play a little different from now on. Nothing major. I mean, we're, what, 14-4? and four. That's not a bad record. I'm just going to play a little different. There were some reads I could have made that I didn't make. Hmm. 
Interesting comments. Now, Tom Crane is on the call for Kansas, Oklahoma tonight, which follows us at 7 Eastern. We'll remind you of this several times, so pay attention. Tom, if you had a talent like Trey Young and you heard him say he's going to go and make some adjustments, would you welcome that or would you worry he might be trying a little too hard to overcompensate? Oh, I think he, he probably tried a little too hard last night or last week. The pressure was huge, but I think it's a team thing. And when they're at their best, Trey Young is getting the ball up the court. He's not wasting dribbles. His eyes are up. He's seeing. He's throwing it ahead. He's getting it down the middle of the floor, and he's on the attack. And I think that's what they've got to get back to because when they're playing that way and then when the ball is given up early, it's a lot easier to get it back. And I think it's going to have to be a great team effort to have a chance to beat Kansas tonight anyways. So the quicker the ball moves, the better it's going to be for their team. Now, as much as we are hyping up uh, Trey Young, let's also not forget that Kansas has a pretty good guard leading them as well and player of the year candidate, senior Devontae Graham, who is leading the Jayhawks in both scoring and assists. He needs fewer than 100 points to become the 22nd player in school history with 1,500 points. Now, uh, Coach, is Kansas in the same position as Oklahoma, meaning the Jayhawks are only going to go as far as their star guard? Well, Devontae Graham, a year ago when we were at Indiana and we played them in Honolulu, we wanted to get Devontae Graham in the ball screen. We wanted to take advantage of him off the ball defensively. You can't do that now. I mean, he is so good. He's so much improved. And I think the reason that they're so much better right now is he's so aggressive. He's moving the ball. He's making shots. His team is playing well. But the point of attack starts with Devontae Graham. And uh, bottom line, he'll probably start on Trey Young. And I would very much bet he'll close on Trey Young. And it is going to be an incredible battle, not only watching those two, but how everybody else moves tonight to stay in the flow of the game. All right, Coach, you're a rookie still around here, so I'm going to be nice to you. I'm going to let you catch your breath, and we'll be back to you a little bit later in the show as we get closer to this awesome matchup tonight. All right, as LeBron closes in on 30,000 points, Brian Windhorst here to discuss turmoil within LeBron's team for what must feel like the 30,000th time. Uh, we'll get back to the problems in a moment, but first, a potential partial solution, Brian. Where do things stand with talks between the Cavs and Kings about a deal that would send George Hill to Cleveland? Yeah, this is going to be pretty close. The players involved uh, have been preparing themselves, Amon Shumpert, Channing Fry and George Hill. The thing about it is the Kings have to make a secondary deal to clear roster spots for it. So in fairness, I think it's better than 50-50 that it happens, but it is not done because it's going to require a second deal. But the Cavs are closing in on getting George Hill. Uh, also, there could be a draft pick compensation included. I think it'll be a future second-round pick coming from the Cavs to Sacramento. If they can get the George Hill from last year, who finished 7th among point guards in ESPN's real plus-minus, and the one that's shooting 45% from three this year, certainly be a good get for them. Uh, Woj reported that Kevin Love was at the center of the Cavs team meeting. What more can you tell us about what went on at that meeting? Well, Michael, Woj used the word fiery. The sources I talked to said that doesn't even describe it, that it was as intense of a meeting, a player's meeting, as they've ever been to. Uh, yes, it did you know, end up getting calmed down and people getting more on the same page at the end. But it wasn't just about Kevin Love's illness. It was about the fact that Kevin Love didn't inform the, the, the team or didn't inform his teammates that he was going to leave. And it was also about accountability from the front office that would allow him to do that and all kinds of other stuff that gets brought back up. And then there's a secondary thing here, which is, hey, Derrick Rose was allowed to go on a mental health break for two weeks, and he was welcomed back with open arms. Why can't Kevin Love uh, you know, go home early from a game when he's feeling sick? 
just layers and layers and layers of toxicity that weren't even just about Kevin Love, but revealed the you know kind of issues that have been dogging this team for the last month. And it was a lot of finger pointing that doesn't even involve what happened with Kevin Love on Saturday with the Thunder. All right, Wendy, we appreciate it. Thanks for the insight. Take Tim care. Legler, uh, drama aside, <laughs> what do you see as the root of the Cavs' struggles on the court? Well, I think the biggest thing is that this is a team that put together a combination that you don't want to hear in basketball, and that is older, slower, and smaller. Right? That doesn't work well in the NBA, and that's really what they're putting out there in their personnel packages. So defensively, they have no resistance. When your best perimeter defender and your best rim protector are the same player, LeBron James, he can only do so much. So when you see the Cavs try to trap a pick and roll and the ball gets rotated out, typically you've got either Kevin Love at best protecting the rim or a lot of cases you have three guards on the floor trying to rotate over to provide help. And teams are looking at the Cleveland Cavaliers now and the personnel they have on the court, and they are flat out licking their chops. They don't fear them. They don't see any resistance. They know they can run their sets. They can get downhill anytime they want to. And you have seen some incredible numbers that some of these teams have put up against them, 148 by Oklahoma City. For me, the cherry on top of the Sunday with what they did to them and how easy that looked. So for me, it's really about personnel. And they almost have to take the mentality, let's put our best offensive team on the court and outscore people because I don't think the defense is going to pick up significantly, although George Hill will certainly help. All right, thanks a lot, Tim. I think he might be coming back, right? To the, I a think little you are. Trey Young, all Talking right? Some Trey Young. Okay. Shooters, I like that. Uh, there he is. Uh, we're less than a half hour away from Oklahoma, Kansas, the marquee college basketball game of the night. No disrespect. Oklahoma's 9-0 and at home, where they will play tonight. But get this, Kansas 7-0. This season on the road, Kansas is also the fifth top ten opponent. The Sooners have faced this season, which is the most in Division One. No question, Oklahoma is definitely getting tournament ready. Now look at that. Oklahoma has lost each of his last two games on the road, and Young struggled shooting the ball in the two losses. He shot 36.7% from the floor in the two losses, including going 10 of 30 from three. Dang! And had more assists than turnovers in the two games. Name a better duo. I'll wait. It's dangerous. I mean, you know, I'm not sure they're going to be on the air. You know what I'm saying? They they got it. He calls it salt and pepper, which is really disturbing. (laughs) He calls himself pepper. And that means I'm salt. We'll leave that one alone. Uh, So, Seth, Trey Young admittedly forced things against Oklahoma State. What stood out to you in terms of his game and struggles? Well, if I was Lon Kruger, what I would do, I'd bring him in and sit down and watch some film, and I'd pick out some plays. And these are some of the plays I might talk to him about. Now, watch his play as it develops. You're looking. Let's check out the clock here. There's 25 seconds on the clock. All right? You're down six. So what do you want to do? You probably want to get a good shot. So what does Trey Young do? He gets. He got a little ball screen right here. He's going to come off of that ball screen. He's going to pursue it. Now everyone around him is just standing and watching. All right? You want to get other guys involved at this point. So if I'm long program, I'm saying, like, Trey, early in the game, let's get others involved. And what does he do? Backs up. He's shooting this thing from the logo. Ooh. From the logo. And there's 21 seconds on the clock. No one else touched the ball. No one even moved. So, Trey, you got to get others involved. If I'm Lon Kruger, I'm talking to him about that. So that's one thing he's got to be aware of. The other thing he's got to be aware of, you're going to take 39 shots. He's taken 30 shots a game the last two games. Right? you got to do all the little things. Another little ball screen right here, and they're going to put him in a ton of ball screens. You're going to see two defenders here, and they're going to do a pretty good job of stringing them out and getting a deflection. That happens. Now, right here, you see two guys that are ready to go for a loose ball. Now, Trey Young is where he is. Obviously, Oklahoma State defender is where he is. Look what happens as it plays out. Trey Young doesn't go to the floor. He's not first to the floor. 
Oklahoma State gets an uncontested lane. So, like, I would say, like, Trey, like, when the ball's on the floor, you got to go get it. Like, we're giving you the freedom. I want you to be aggressive. I want you to attack. I want you to make plays, but you got to do the little things. And then finally, time and score. And it's, you know, he is. He's 18, 19 years old. Let's check this out right here. It's a two-point game. There's 27 seconds on the clock. I want you to see as this play develops right here. He's got two teammates behind the play. There's going to be another ball screen here. He's going to come off of this ball screen, and as he comes off, you're going to see four defenders. Watches this play. Boom. One, two, three, four. Look at the clock. 25 seconds on the clock. You're basically playing one-on-four. You've got to make better decisions. Back dribble, let, uh, let us set our offense, get others involved. What happens? Bam, turnover. Turnover leads to a run out. And that really hurts you. So, you know, to me, if I'm Ron Carew, I'm just showing him some plays. I'm showing him some good stuff because, look, the kid's incredible. Right. But he's got to cut down on these things, get the others involved, and the game will be easier for him. And maybe that's what he meant when he said that he wanted to take a different approach uh, for this game. Maybe he knows some of the things that you pointed out. Speaking of things that he said, uh, so, Jay Will, check out what Trey Young said after practice Monday. I think people do forget I'm only 19. People forget that. I never make an excuse because I'm a freshman and I'm 19 years old, but I think people do forget that sometimes. But that just comes with it because I've done so much to this point that people just expect that every game. Now, Jay, once upon a time, you were the hot freshman. You had to deal with a ton of pressure. So how difficult is it to be in Trey Young's position? Well, I think for Trey, he does go to social media after games. I think that fuels his fire. Mm -hmm. Uh, The biggest advice if you're CP3, because I know they have conversations all the time, and that I would give to him is that you have to be even keel about this whole thing, is that – Yes, you score 48 points. You had a spectacular game, but your team wouldn't even be in the game if you didn't score 48 points. But if you're Trey, there's still room for improvement. That's scary. <laughs> like, that's scary if a guy has 48 points, they barely lose by three or four points on the road, which is a difficult place to win a Big 12 anyway, and you're watching tape and you still see all this room for improvement. The biggest thing for Oklahoma to go next level, you need other guys on the team to step up. Now, for Trey, like, all right, I'm going to give you the ball. Now, Christian James, you know, McGusty, you have to do something with it. Right. So we're, we're going to get a chance to see if the other guys on the team can do something with it. But there is a reason why, according to Kim Palm, he has the highest usage rate out of any other player in the country because that dude can make plays. Yeah. You know, the one thing, Jay, and you got to understand, a week ago we were talking about how he made the game easier for everyone on his team. So I think he's got to understand it. He makes the game easy for everyone, but he's got to involve them. And then those guys have to deliver. They didn't make any shots against Oklahoma State. But he still can't forget about those guys because there's a big issue, and we talk about it all the time, it's the locker room. And not the kids in the locker room. It's all the other people around the kids in the locker room that create a little bit of static. All right, salt and pepper. Way to push it. All right, brother. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh, that was nice. The book that was book. nice. Big yeah. <laughs> he just walks up the My, my, my contribution to that segment. They don't want to talk to us anymore. Uh, There's uh, Trey Young taking the court <laughs> in Norman, Oklahoma. More on the influence of Trey's dad. That's coming up next. All right, so yesterday, Woj reported that Kawhi and the Spurs, a little disconnected through his rehab. Moments ago, Greg Popovich asked about the Spurs' soap opera. I don't even know why you say it's a soap opera. Some people wrote some articles. Uh, I understand it, but a soap opera? I, I don't know. It's a soap opera if we talk about it every day, I guess, or uh, I just, I don't get it. We won't talk about it. There's nothing to talk about other than what we've already said. 
the rehab has gone slower than we expected. We wish it would have gone more quickly. And if we're going to err, as we have in the past, uh, we're going to do it on the conservative side. All right. Okay, uh, on now to talking about Trey Young, <laughs> as in who he compares to. What about Dame Lillard? In terms of scoring, the only point guard averaging 25 points per game this season. Um, what about Russ Westbrook's ability to fill it up? Westbrook averaged a triple-double last season and is flirting with the mark again this season, while Trey Young can be the first player to average 30 points and 10 assists in D1 history, or which seems to be the most popular comparison when it comes to Trey Young is his Steph Curry and his ability to shoot from anywhere. Young has made the third most threes in D1 this season and he makes and takes more threes per game than Curry did in his freshman year at Davidson. That's saying a lot. Uh, here to help break it down even further, Tim Legler taking you out the NBA, sort of. <laughs> right. I uh, talking about player comparisons with Trey Young. So who do you think, or which player rather, does he compare the most to? It's Curry, right? especially if you look at those three guys, and I think that's a pretty good list we put together. Westbrook overwhelms you physically. That's not going to be the case with Trey Young. When I look at Lillard, similar range, uh, similar body size, but I think the difference between those two guys is Trey Young's passing ability is a little bit different. So I think Curry is the guy you look at. Not just the range and the vision. We've talked a lot about that. It's also his ability to finish very difficult runners and floaters with either hand. That's what separates Steph Curry as well. They list Trey Young at 6'2". He doesn't look 6'2 to me. I've never stood next to him. They look like he might be generous with that. So he, he looks a little bit smaller. But you know what's amazing about him and Curry? As slightly as they are both built, how effortlessly they shoot the ball from the distances they do and pass the ball on a rope. Not easy to do. They obviously are wiry strong in a way that they don't look when you watch them on television. All right. Well, I can't wait to see what he does, not only tonight. Come on, man. Let's go. 18, Come on, 17. <laughs> Spent the whole hour talking about him. Let's see the kid in action. That's yeah. it for the six. Next sports center uh, follows Kentucky versus Mississippi State. They got this game covered. They got Spurs, Cavs covered, everything else in sports. We'll see y'all tomorrow.